this is Robin Hardy, author of the screenplay and will direct and produce The Wrath of the Gods, the third film in the Wicker Man trilogy. And you're listening to Without Your Head. Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by writer Nick Parlin. It's good to see you. And director Damien Alpazar. It's good to see you as well. And they're filming The Other Side's going to be playing Shriekfest. So can you give people an idea of what um, The Other Side is? And, you know, you can't give get into too much detail since it's a short. You don't give away the whole movie. Well, we can't, I mean, you're right. We don't want to get into too much detail about the short, but um, the good thing is that the short is in itself uh, a tease to a much bigger picture um, because Nick and I are actively working on um, the feature aspect of it. So uh, this short um, has done its, has done its job of convincing people that they want to see more. So that's a good thing. So when hopefully when people see this on, at Shriekfest, they'll uh, understand why people want to see more. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because actually my notes when I was, when I was uh, watching it, I thought it felt like, a you know, it could be expanded. It could be part of a bigger thing. Yeah. Um, Nick and I have spent a better part of a, what would you say, Nick, on the script? Three years. Three years. I mean, we, uh, we had a script and, you know, we started – you know, showing it to people and they're like, Hey, I love this, but I don't like this small thing. And then we went back and changed that small thing. And then they're like, well, now I don't like this. So after, you know, ping ponging, I think we've got, we pretty much got the script to a a good place. You know, we, uh, we sent it out for coverage and got a pretty high rating 
uh, high eighties and, uh, you know, uh, the reader had a lot to, to say about it. She said, it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride from hell. It's what she said, but she said at the same time, there's this love story, you know, where it's like, it's kind of gives the crow esque vibes, mm-hmm. you know, she really, really enjoyed it. And a lot of people, you know, are, Giving it good praise right now. <laughs> have you guys watched it with an audience before? We have. Um, we've uh, small audiences. Uh, obviously, uh, Shriek Fest would probably be the largest audience that we get to watch it with. So it'd be interesting. I, I would feel, you know, because obviously as developers for the film, we've seen it enough times. If I could, I would just set my chair at the front of the screen and looking back at the audience as opposed to <laughs> sure. watching the film. <laughs> Um, but that might get it. That might be awkward. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That'd be awkward for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, is it, um, when you are editing, you know, you film it, you edit it and everything, uh, and you see it so many times, do you lose perspective of after a while or is it easy to stay focused of like what works? And I mean, I think the main, so, you know, every story is written, you know, multiple times there's a script, then there's the production and then there's the post. And I think that when you're looking at it and you do watch it a number of times, you, you always, I don't think any film is made in a vacuum. You know, every person that works on the film um, has their small trusted circle that they bring in. Um, and some people they bring in earlier because they can look at a rough cut and they understand it's a rough cut and no, the effects aren't there. And yeah, no, that's going to look better later. Um and then you bring in those people later on who have a fresh perspective because they hadn't seen it throughout the development. So they're seeing it for the first time. Um, and everyone has an opinion. So you have to say, okay, well, what's true to the vision that we wanted, but you know, let's not, let's not be egotistical and not just throw out every opinion. Um, some people, especially if you're bringing them into your circle, you're, you're trusting that they like the kind of films that you're trying to make. Um, so I always look at it like, um, if I was making, uh, you know, as, as we're making the other side, I'm not going to show it to perhaps a romantic comedy fan. You know, they might not like it because <laughs> it's just not their genre. Uh, so you kind of get like-minded people to look at it and then kind of, you know, fine tune it to a point where you're happy with it. Um, but yeah, you, you do have to, you do have to step away from it sometimes um, as, as the person, whether after you've gotten you know, all the opinions, you've done your thing, you have to kind of step away. Um, I think when we were done editing, um, and it was going through the um, visual effects process that allowed us some time to step away from the edit for a while. And then when we came back and looked at it again, we're like, Hmm, you know what? It, it could use this. Or maybe we, maybe we held on that scene a little too long now that we're looking at it, maybe because we loved it so much, you know, Oh, we love the scene so much, hold on to it longer. We're like, nah, we should cut away from that sooner. Um, so yeah, you do have to step away from it at some point. So you guys, you said you were writing it out for over a three-year period and uh, you want it to be, you know, expanded. Was that always the plan? Like, to, we're going to make this short to show what we can do and then hopefully we can make the feature at some point? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had asked a, a guy that I know. Um, I said, hey, I know that you dabble in a lot of different things. Would you like to invest in a movie? And he said, well, I mean, I've never been asked to invest in a movie before. So he got the script, he read the script, and he says, hey, I know nothing about this world, but I'm going to give you X. And what I want you to do is pick a scene from the script uh, and film that scene. And then you could use that scene 
to shop around at the film festivals and investors and executive producers and try to get them to be like, Oh, I want to throw money at this, you know? And that's, that was the plan. And then all of a sudden people are like, Hey, uh, you know, I could see it going here. I could see action figures. I can see posters. I can see a haunted house. And it, it rapidly expanded through that, you know, that process. Uh, had you guys, uh, either of you, uh, um, been on the um, festival circuit before? Had you had like uh, short films at the festivals? Um, I have been in the producing uh, seat around festivals. Um, I've had my first short film was obviously in a, in a festival, uh, but it was only a local festival. It was just here. We didn't expand it upon beyond our our um, local community. Uh, this will be the first one that we've taken, uh, you know, around to national and much larger uh, venues, primarily because it's a larger project. Um, the ones that we did work on and the ones that I've produced and, and worked on have done some pretty good rounds. You know, but normally I was in the uh, either the visual effects supervisor chair or I was in the producing chair. Um, this one, you know, being in the directing chair and this one being, uh, Nick, you know, who, uh, wrote the short for this. Um, so this would be the one that as far as together, this is our first one working on together, but it definitely is not the last and it definitely has gone. Um, it has done, it's done, it's, it's done pretty positively so far. So we're hoping that, uh, especially with, um, things being virtual, you know, so like there's, there was a whole, you don't get the exact same feel of an audience watching it on a big screen. So this will be, um, it'll be real nice to see it, you know, again, have an audience view it on the big screen and see how it was meant to be seen. Yeah. Uh, did, did you guys uh, film it before the pandemic? And so it was, um, we had filmed it in September of 2019 and, uh, you know, it was a slow burn with the editing because you know, our editor like broke her ankle and then all of a sudden couldn't do her regular job. And then she has little ones at home that she has to tend to. And then, you know, it was a it was a slow process, but it eventually got done. And <laughs> for, here we are. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. The worst thing for short films is to die in the post-production uh, void, um, which happens a lot. So we wanted to make sure that especially with uh, everyone having to be Luckily, it was in post by the time the pandemic and stuff came around because, I mean, let's face it. Luckily, at that point, everyone started getting used to working remote anyways. Um, so we were able to get the, you know, the post-production done. And that was helpful. Um, but again, all the festivals, you know, we're so happy that people are going back to the movie theaters and going back to festivals because that's really the lifeblood of cinema. You know, I mean, that's where new artists can showcase and flex their muscles and then grow into the field of uh, going out into cinema. And I mean, this is, this is supporting that from the ground up. How did you two guys meet? <laughs> uh, uh, my mentor happens to um, work. Uh, uh, he, my, he actually happens to um, go and uh, pay poker or whatever at um, the casino where Nick works at. Um, Nick is a, talented person he's not just a writer but also a uh, a poker dealer a magician uh comedian uh, he's he's got a lot of different uh talents um and i guess they struck up a conversation and then he calls me up and he says hey i got this guy nick he's got a script for it was a completely different project not this one um he's a good guy you know i'm not into that you know you're more into that kind of stuff 
see what he can do and take care of him. And that's what's been going on ever since. Uh, we became friends. We got to work on these projects together. Um, the project that he originally had was a TV series, and I'm just not of the TV world yet. Um, I do commercial work, but I do not do sitcom stuff, not yet. Um, and all of our connections are really more into the film narrative, even the production company that we're I working with I can't see now. the other side as a sitcom. I'm not sure that'll work. No. Yeah, no, no. no. Definitely not. <laughs> you know. Who dies today? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who did she kill today? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Nick, what's what's your favorite uh, card game? Um, well, I mean, dude, like I graduated high school and literally somebody's like, I know a way you can make 40 to $50 an hour, you know, without an education. And I'm like, okay, here we go. The whole, well, I mean, what do you want me to do? A Verizon salesman or something, you know, and I have to climb in the company. And he's like, no, you can deal poker. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I went to like a five week course, learned how to deal poker. And I have literally dealt poker for 20 years up until this year. And, uh, I mean, I've all like, you know, even in high school, I was acting and like he said, I'm, I'm a magician as well. So I've, I've been in the arts of the entertainment pretty much my entire life, you know, but, you know, I, I decided to, you know, give writing a try and, when I had written the other side initially, I had showed it to Damien and Damien read it and said, I like it, but the dialogue has got to be punched up, you know, and we punched up the dialogue and, you know, that's how pretty much it all began, you know. Interesting. You would think uh, being the magician stuff, you would want to be in front of the camera as a performer. Yeah. I mean, I would have never thought that I would be behind the scenes, and learning all of the, the trades from behind the scenes, you know, from the boom operating to the editing to DIT, all that stuff. And I mean, it, I would like to, of course, if I'm going to dive into this industry, learn like every little field that I can, you know, to be accustomed to it, especially producing a film, you know. So, you know, I, I, I met so many people along the way dealing poker. I mean, you've got the, the regulars, you've got like the snowbirds that come in. Um, I used to deal the World Series of Poker in Vegas. And I mean, I've dealt to some like big time celebrities like, you know, Paul Rudd, Will Ferrell, you know, Pamela Anderson. I mean, like hundreds of them, you know, and uh, it, it's, it's amazing all of the people that you meet, you know, especially in that field, you know. Yeah. You should see the new Paul Schrader film, uh, Card Counter. I saw it, uh, it, I saw it in the theater <laughs> last week. But. I did. As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because the executive producer of that film um, executive produces a lot of uh, digital caviars films. Uh, digital Caviar is the production company that did our short film and wow. it's ready to uh, produce the feature film. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's pretty so. well. Yeah, so it's the small world, you know. And for people who don't know, uh, the other side's a very dark film, and um, uh, the gr opening really catches you right away. It's really gruesome, and uh, the effects are really cool. Uh, who worked on the effects? Well, my back <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my background is visual effects. I started off um, as a uh, you know animator and um, worked into. Uh, you know, graphics and animation for commercials and TV. 
And then that naturally moved into, um, you know, just augmentation and removal of things and then eventually just full-blown visual effects. So um, having worked on a couple of, you know, films and doing visual effects for that, um, from that side of it, from a, from a supervisor side of it, um, it's kind of one of those challenges when you have a short film, you kind of go with what are, you, what are your assets? What do, you, what do you have that's available to you? What are you best at? Um, and what can you get done with a limited budget? Um, and that's where you start going, you start pulling in favors, you start asking, you know, people that, you know, who can cook really well to make, you know, really good, you know, crew meals. So that way you're, <laughs> so you're, not, you're saving some money there. But when it came to visual effects and cutting people out, um, I have a couple of people that I work with on a normal basis, but I, um, actually we were able to tap in, I couldn't direct and visual effects supervise. So we were able to tap into uh, a gentleman by the name of Adam Howard, who, um, this guy's done everything. I mean, he's done um, Star Wars, Titanic. He's worked on a bunch of different films uh, from top to bottom. Birdman. I mean, he's he's worked on a bunch of stuff. And um, he was able to help us solve uh, a technical issue. Um, how do you, you know, shoot a mirror without having it there? And mm -hmm. how do you get that reflection? And there's a mathematical problem to be solved with uh, two cameras shooting simultaneously from a reflected angle. Um, but then the compositing and things of that nature, I mean, I worked with Matt and did rotos and brought in the, you know, the fire effects and whatever the things are. So, you know, a lot of that compositing was done in house, my house. <laughs> and then some of the stuff was done with, um, you know, like a, again, with Matt and, and, and so on and so forth. So we did the, we did the effects, my company, two way monkeys did the effects, um, on it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was part of the reason why it was also in post-production for a while because there's um, we didn't have time. We shot in two days, a hurricane had come through and made us move an entire day, which made us lose half of our crew. Um, so we didn't have time to, uh, in one particular scene, no spoilers, um, there's a roof behind her and that roof gets replaced with something completely different. Um, and that, that's just rotoscoping. It's just, there's no, there was no green screen or nothing. That's just frame by frame. Uh, so yeah. So I'm pretty, pretty happy that we were able to pull that off, but yeah. that was within our wheelhouse. If it was, if I was not a visual effects person, I would have freaked out trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> Will you guys work uh, hopefully, you know, with a lot of the same cast members who, you know, may or may not live and, uh, and the same crew when, when you do the feature. We'll definitely have uh, a lot of the same crew. The cast members, it's, you know, some of them may uh, end up in a different role. The thing is that uh, when it comes to expanding to a feature, and this is just the hardcore business side of things, sometimes you can bring over your actors from a short film to a feature. And sometimes what ends up happening is that you have the powers that be, and that's the financiers, the producers, the sales agents, the distributors, and they're saying, um, we need that role to be replaced by somebody who has some sales clout. And that's just the business side of things. So you try to find a way to, to always reach back and, and, and grab somebody and help them up the ladder as much as possible. And then sometimes you got to be like, well, this time we may have to replace that role with someone who is um, a little bit more marketable at this point uh, to help the movie get going, especially um one like this one so, you know you look at the i look at a lot of films like um you know I'm trying to think of one right now off the top of my head but i can't think of one um oh yeah let's go with um uh the perch let's just go with the first perch 
Um, we know Ethan. one actor, Ethan Hawke, you know, one actor in it. The rest of the actors you may have may not seen in other places, but they're fantastic performances. So it carries the film. And you're always going to need that, especially when you're coming out um, as an independent filmmaker. You're going to probably need that one actor or a couple of actors um, to help carry the, the weight of the film to help sell it. I mean, that's just a sales piece at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two out of the four actors will, roles in that film, her and the detective. I mean, we would have to get somebody pretty well established to drive the, the, you know, the sales of the film. So, um, you know, we, we obviously we, I mean, all the four people that we cast are phenomenal at what they do. They, are. they might be picked for, you know, smaller roles in the film, but, you know, they knew that going in, Hey, look, I mean, we might get blah to be in this film, to be her. So you might, there's a really, really good chance that you might not be her in this, but you know, we, certainly thank you and of course we'll try our best to accommodate you and in, in, in the in the, the feature you know and this is something i gotta actually say about um actors in general because your your partner is an actor and she's over there in la doing some stuff um man it the the dedication that these actors put into even these short films um and these these film festivals this is their this is their real and as filmmakers we want to respect and make sure that they get to shine. And I got to say that these actors, when they stepped up to the plate for this short film, they shined, they put it all on the table. I got to give it to them on that one. Um, it was really, really wonderful. Uh, taking some of these actors who have like, I've never played that role before and going, well, let's, let's try it out and just killing it in the moment. Um, so that's, that was a blessing. And they were all local right here out of the Tampa Bay area They're You know, we didn't fly anybody in. They're all hundred percent talented people here in the bay area yes did you know the uh any of the, the cast or were they people that you know came in for auditions um one person i knew because i uh, at one point had taken acting classes not to be an actor i never wanted to be in front of the camera uh, i wanted to learn to speak better actor um that makes sense because a lot of people i interview will talk about you know, you know a, a direct an actor's director who you know comes from acting and knows how to talk to the actors yeah. And I, I took it for a couple of years and I, I, I dove deep into it and I met a very talented person in there. In fact, uh, Taylor Gerard, he's the one that uh, plays the detective. And um, I auditioned, we auditioned uh, a number of people. Uh, in fact, uh, John Paul, who uh, plays Monroe, uh, auditioned originally to be the detective. And while we were sitting there and we were watching him, and I was like, man, I don't know. He has a vulnerability to him. He's a, he's a big, he's kind of a big dude. Um, I, I talked to Nick. I was like, Hey, what do you think about him uh, switching it to Monroe? And so we told him, I said, Hey, can you go back and uh, just kind of prepare and play Mon- and come back and play Monroe? He's like, I, I didn't prepare for him. I'm like, yeah, just try it. So he went back there and sure enough, he came back out and he just killed it. And I was like, there was just a, there was a sense of vulnerability and his toughness that was going to be necessary to feel man, if this guy's threatened by whatever is attacking him, you need to watch out. Like this guy does not look like he folds easily. (laughs) And so um, that's why we were very happy with, uh, with that selection. So, yeah, I mean, some of them, we kind of, you know, local film, local film community, you're going to run into the actors who have been in other people's films. So you may have seen them here or there, but never had the chance to work with them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it boiled down to. No, I, 
Damien mentioned you had written like a sitcom. He said maybe that wasn't his thing, so you went with the, the horror uh, movie. But are you a horror movie fan, Nick? Oh, uh, gigantic. <laughs> I, I think gigantic would be an understatement. I mean, you know, I, I grew up. I mean, I, I was eight years old watching A Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, that's probably why I'm so uh, hit in the head today, so whacked out, <laughs> you know, because my parents would let me watch Jason, you know, and pretty much anything. The People Under the Stairs, I mean, I, I watched it all. I mean, uh, I think horror happens to be my favorite genre, to be honest, you know. And uh, the beauty behind horror is you don't really need a whole lot of character development. You know, you just introduce the character, kill them off, and then, you know, good guy hopefully kills bad guy in the end, or, you know, if it doesn't, it goes into number two, three, and four, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge horror fan, yeah. I'm the same way. Uh, my mom, a uh, single mom, but uh, she took me the drive-in with my older brother who's nine years older you know, seeing all the, uh, and I think Night of Living Dead is the first movie I remember seeing, the original Night of Living Dead. Not when it came out, I'm not that old, but it was you know, playing in the 80s. Yeah. I told the story before, but I, the first memory I've seen uh, at the movies was at the drive-in, and um, the pickup truck blows up, and they start eating the guys, and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, I was upset, and my mom said, oh, they're just having a barbecue, don't worry, and then I was fine. <laughs> I like your mom's oh. sense of humor. Right. And I've been told I'm totally fine. <laughs> and, uh, how are yourself, Damien? Are you a horror movie fan? I am. Um, and this is where Nick and I, uh, we balance each other on style while Nick is, he loves the, you know, slash and the, and the, and the, and, the, and that kind of stuff. And he gets to the six scenes. He comes up with six scenes. I am definitely more of the character development type of horror. Um, I'm the opposite in that regards. I, I, I like my horror to, like for example, like it follows, and I like my horror to have. Um, don't get me wrong, Nightmare is still one of my favorite throwback horrors, all to get all, all by far. But um, I still like my horror to have that sense of dread. Um, I don't mind a slower burn. So our styles mix to make something that um, gives you both character and gives you uh, those moments of scare and dread that are, you know, that pay off the character. I think that's the other thing about good horror um, is that if you care about the characters and they suffer horribly, mm-hmm. well, then that's horror. It means more. Uh, yeah. yeah, it means more. So our, our the, the, the psychological brain F, I don't want to curse on anything. Uh, the, psych, the, the psychological brain fart um, is a, uh, making you really care about something and then killing it horribly and then torturing them throughout for an hour and a half or for 15 minutes or forever, whatever you do. Um, that's to me is true horror. You know, it's messing with people. <laughs> that's it. That's a uh, good thing though about horror. I think are there is different styles. It's like, you can watch like a comedy horror, like turn living dead or you watch some totally silly watch like a, a genuinely good movie but it's horror or just some sl- a slasher like uh like nick likes where you know everybody's just getting killed so re- i like i kind of like all that stuff it really depends what kind of mood i'm in so i think that's what's cool about horror movies yeah i mean i can get behind Shaun of the dead too all day oh I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my opinion with the horror comedy it has to work as a horror movie too like the horror has to like the zombies look really good in Shaun of the Dead. Right. Right. Big time. 
Yeah. Uh, and you just talked about the horror. I mean, the the basis of the horror in, in your film is, you know, real life horror. And uh, so can you just talk about the idea of taking something, you know, the basic idea is something that's actually happening and then, you know, putting in like a, a fantastical world. Yeah. Um, you know, Tampa, Florida, most people don't know this. And I, I've actually lived here pretty much my entire life. I mean, I, I moved to LA for two years in 2015, but I never knew that, Tampa is one of the leading countries in the entire world for human sex trafficking. You know, we have like the Tampa Port Authority, which is where all the shipping docks come in and the loading and unloading. And then we have like massage parlors here. And some people say we are the strip club capital of the world because we have a lot of strip clubs. And that is where a lot of the trafficking is going on. And, I had learned about that and, uh, you know, Damien and I collaborated and we're like, how about we take this urban legend that's pretty much nobody has ever tapped into and add the human trafficking aspect into it where it's a complete race against the clock. Like this woman has to try to find her child before she's sold to a foreign land and you just never see her again. So, you know, um, we took that aspect and pretty much, you know, made it what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, there's, you know, I I would actually hearken back to another film that did something similar and every horror, I mean, if you really think about it in every horror, there's, there is a, a message of sorts. Um, I think in genre, like sci-fi and horror, a, a lot of, most of it is, you know, talking yeah. about social or political issues, you know, yeah. within the, uh, but without beating people over the head, obviously. Right. Um, so our thing is, for example, if you look at, and it's barely touched on in, for example, like nightmare, um, Freddie was a pedophile. I mean, that's just what he was. Um, and there are with, when it comes to our selection in horror, the thing was, you know, who do you feel bad for at what point? Um, do you feel bad for the monster? Do you feel bad for the monsters and the, the human monsters? Or do you feel bad for the um, the horror monster? I mean, it, it, there's a bit of a conflict there and there's, there's, and it expands even further, obviously, but here you have a situation where you have two monsters in the room and you're kind of like, okay, which one am I voting? For? Which one am I going for? Which one do I, which one do I want to live or die or more? And I think that's where um, that's what intrigued us about expanding this world um, was in a world of monsters, you know, who's, who's the real victim. Mm-hmm. And, and sadly, when it comes to things like the human trafficking aspect of things, the victim are typically, and sadly, mostly women and mostly children under the age of like 14 or 16. So um, it's not a very, it's not a very, it's not something that we're very proud of. And, you know, it's most, most cities with a port. Um, yeah. Tampa is one of them, but I would say almost any city with a port um, has to do with that <laughs> because it's just easy access for in and out to get the children out of there. So it's a, it's a, it's a national problem, you know? Yeah. The international problem. really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big time. They're not all being abducted by aliens. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> like to be like, all, the, all these missing people are being abducted by aliens. I'm like, no, no, no. Sometimes it's worse. <laughs> An alien would actually be nice. So uh, the other side's playing Shriek Fest. 
Uh, it's coming up uh, the end of this month and, and, and into October. And you guys are both going to be there, apparently. Yep. yep. All uh, all four days. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's the main thing I miss during the pandemic are the uh, film festivals. I want everyone to be safe, obviously, but uh, I do miss going to the film festivals. And uh, it's going to be that's cool that this one, you know, people can go and actually uh, not just watch on the big screen, but there's something about watching movies with uh, with an audience, especially horror movies or comedies, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're when you're laughing in a crowd or you're scared in a crowd, it's just it just adds to the to the emotional experience. So we're, we're excited. We're thankful that you guys uh, selected our films for this uh, festival and we're excited to be there and you know, talk more with anybody about, you know, what's coming up and, you know, hopefully we get to see some other horror films that we get to get scared at. And that's going to be great too. Yeah. It's always a good thing too, about the film festivals. You can uh, meet, um, you know, even people just like the movies, but you can meet other people you might eventually work with, you know, down the road. Yeah. Absolutely. uh, Networking. Yeah. I I love that. You know, Uh, I I met a guy at the uh, Texas Frightmare weekend back in like 2012, and, uh, you know, I've, I'm friends with him till, you know, to this day. And, uh, I mean, you meet people from all different walks of life. It's pretty awesome. You know, I've been to horror right there a couple of times, but what was that, Damien? I was saying not to mention horror fans are, you know, like-minded people. I mean, exactly. we're yeah. all a little bit, we're all a little bit twisted. We got a, we got a screw <laughs> or two loose We're you know, so you get them all in the same room and just start talking horror and it just sounds like a great time. Yeah, yeah, and everyone, and uh, even though everybody might be a little weird, I think uh, horror fans are very accepting of other people. Oh yeah, so, but it's it's perfectly fine to walk around in, in a in a horror convention with a crazy mask on. So it's, right. it's we've been doing it since long before two thousand twenty. Right, I actually have too. Uh, and, yeah, so it's not a big deal to me. Yeah. So where can people follow the other side or yourselves uh, to see what you guys are up to? Well, there's Facebook. Um, and uh there's obviously instagram so our instagram oh boy i should have this memorized by now right i, I, I know it <laughs> thanks oh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh the other side feature there you uh, go uh, on ig uh, we're on ig a lot more than we're on facebook um but especially in the next probably couple weeks leading up until principal photography we're going to be posting on the other side feature uh, that's the hashtag for IG, you know, you're going to see a lot of really awesome stuff come out, you know, very cool. One in particular that we can't talk about, but <laughs> hopefully by shriek fest, it's a done deal, but we all know how that goes, but we're, we're, we're like so stoked, but we just can't talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, so. congratulations being in shriek fest and, uh, I know you're not, you're not supposed to say good luck. Break a leg, I guess, on uh, <laughs> on the uh, upcoming Stop. feature. Yeah, top an arm. Yeah. Uh, that works better. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. It's cool to talk to both of you. Pleasure yeah. talking to you too, man. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the interview. Yeah. Uh, and I'll have this up in the next couple of days. I, um, I'm trying to spread them out so they're not all up at one time. Makes cool. sense. Right. Yeah. Um, is this for your? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming this is getting clipped. Um, this part will be, yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is going to be on, uh, street Fest's website, YouTube channel. Uh, it'll be on, uh, without your head, the website and YouTube, but then they'll, they'll also share it. Yeah. Okay. Do you have an IG as well? Uh, yeah. All my stuff's at without your head. Yeah. Without. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ben. Yep. Thank you.
Yep. See ya. Have a good one, man. You as well. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. We should have listened. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night! Mostly! 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. Oh,